and boom goes the dynamite. Episode 77 of Boom Goes the Dynamite, the AEW Dynamite Review Show here on the PWOM Podcast Network. I'm Jeffrey. With me tonight is Paul Sebastian. Paul, how you doing, man? Uh, Oi, mate. That's not my name. Uh, Anarchy in the UK. I'm a punk rocker from from, <laughs> from, from England, right? Uh, my name is uh, Paulie um, uh, Fart Toilet. Um, uh, and, and the interests of punk rock and anarchy and Margaret Thatcher, mate, up for Maggie. Woo! Get Brexit done, Boris Johnson. Oh, Jesus Christ. It's the most punk rock thing you can do, right? Oh. Is uh, support Boris Johnson in it. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, well, let's just say that uh, who you're parroting is why I did not use the song I, I was going to use. <laughs> That you think so you know we went another direction on that one so and, yeah. and, and i'm just gonna say that the song i actually wanted to use was actually smash it up by the dam but that didn't come out until 1980 so yeah uh, that just bit of a problem there yeah we, we just had a, a nice off pod conversation about the hits of 1977 and i think that's an entire different podcast but i will say one more thing um, a song that did chart in 1977 the star wars cantina theme I had that. Dun, 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 yep, dun, I, I had dun, that. I had that as a 45 when I was a kid. I mean, you had it's jammed so hard. It's an absolute classic. I had it as a ringtone. I think a lot of us that are listening to this podcast probably had the Mose Isley theme as a ringtone at one point. Uh, I never had if it as a ringtone, but... If you're listening to this podcast and you had ringtones, one of them was the Mose Isley Cantina theme. If I'm right, you can tweet us at BGTD Podcast and tell me how smart I am. Paul, did you watch Dark Elevation or Dark This Week? Yeah, I did, and it was uh, uh, really interesting. So it starts out, and um, it, it it's so war never changes, Jeff. And, and this is about twenty years after the bombs fell in twenty seventy seven. So somewhere around twenty ninety seven, and uh, you're in West Virginia, <laughs> and you exit the vault, and you're here in a nuclear wasteland surrounded by super mutants, creatures, and all kinds of shit. No, no, no. I was playing Fallout seventy six. Ah, shit. That's what I was doing. I wasn't watching Dark or Elevation. I was playing Fallout 76. I've got to get those two things right. I, I, I assume we've moved on to video games now instead of movies you've watched. It could be from anywhere, Jeff. i got to keep you guessing. <laughs> Wild card, baby. It's what we do. I, you know, I, you know media but, it's, and wrestling is such a, a, an art form that, that crosses so many different platforms. Wrestling video games have been so pervasive throughout pop culture for a number of decades now. Um, wrestling-based movies and television shows. And, and I think it's only fair if I cross different platforms uh, with this, this this dumb bit that I'm doing. You know, I, all I'm going to say is, I'm just going to reiterate my point, is that if the AEW um, video game is going to, if they're going to try to invoke 
the Aki engine, uh, they, they best come correct. Is all I'm gonna I say. I mean, so far so good, and it seems like Aubrey Edwards has a lot of uh, creative input on that. She's from the video games world and worked on video games prior to being a referee in AEW, uh, so she has a pedigree on that, and she's definitely really passionate. So uh, they definitely have good people behind the project. Uh, so uh, we'll see. I mean, I remain cautiously optimistic. I think the the art style that they've shown us so far is really interesting. Uh, going something a little more that looks like a video game, I kind of respect that. I always loved the uh, the old WrestleMania video game. If you remember that one, the very cartoonish one where yeah, yeah. You know, the move, like you could pull out the giant hammer with Doink the Clown, et cetera. Right. And I, I like that kind of stuff. I think video games, I, I think one of the problems with like sports games in general is hyper realism. And I think that's kind of same with shooters too. Like this is my hot take about these games. I think they're too realistic a lot of times. I like my video games to sort of feel like a video game. Right. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you know, the, the first wrestling video game I ever played was Matt Mania. You know, from, oh, wow. from from Taito, you know. So yeah, there you go. It's, that one predates me even a little bit. I think my first wrestling game probably was WrestleMania. For I probably played it on Sega Genesis. Would be my guess. Yeah, but again, I mean, even the Aki engine. I mean, yeah, it was kind of blocky. I mean, they were giving like that 3D look, but it was still very blocky. You know. Oh yeah, but at the time, like I remember going that, like seeing that and going, "Holy shit, they're so real." How oh yeah. Oh yeah. Better? I mean, yeah. How is it going to look any better? This is just like the real thing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, I mean, you know, and, you know, especially virtual pro wrestling, too. You know, the, uh, yeah. you know, the, 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 the creator wrestler engine. Anyway, we're, we're diverging. Um, do you know, I, I see that they're still advertising that casino, you know, the, 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 uh, the casino Bitcoin mining game. It so. still exists as far as I know, and it's still on my phone, which means I've probably mined some Bitcoin. Uh, most likely. All Elite Wrestling. Is it still on my phone? Yeah, there it is. AEW Casino. I'll open it up on my phone right now. And uh, just take a screen grab of it, and you can make it an NFT. And uh... So on the cover are Brandy Rhodes and Sting now. Okay, uh, wow. You can watch ads and get daily bonuses. Uh, you get all kinds of notifications. And it's the same thing. It's just, just slot machines. Oh, there is a blackjack tournament on the cover with a picture of Matt Jackson. Wow. So I guess there's your AEW branding. There's a photo of Matt Jackson there. Uh, a, a smiling photo of Matt Jackson, just what. Oh no, he's wants not smiling. It. He's a heel now. Oh right, yeah. No, no, he's got that like he's got that kind of like a uh, smirk he, that he does. He has that Jackson smirk. Right, yeah, and then they're completely still not. Some would even to call it all. a shit-eating grin. <laughs> would you call it that? Yes, yes, I would. Anyway, with that, we go <laughs> live. Daly's Place in Jacksonville, Florida, for episode 77 of AEW Dynamite. Your hosts, Jim Ross, Tony Schiavone, and Excalibur. And we go to our first match of the evening. Uh, Adam Page versus Brian Cage. Uh, Wow, that's... Cage. Yeah. It's all the rage on the biggest stage. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Keep going. They're going to engage. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah. If I knew the ending to this match, I would be a sage. Uh, whoa! Oh, there we go. Uh, so of course, you know, it, it it starts with a kerfluffle, you know, including you know Cage powerbombing Adam Page right on the ramp, which brings out the entire damn Dark Order. So there's a little bit of that going on, and then we get the match with Taz on commentary. Uh, what did you think of this? I thought the match itself uh, was, you know, well executed. I think opening the show with Adam Page is a working formula. People love him. People love to cheer for him right off the rip. Um, but Brian Cage looked incredibly dominant throughout this entire match. And then we find out why when it ends. 
this was an unexpected result, Jeff. Hangman Page takes the L. He does. Uh, of course, you know, again, they messed with him to begin with. So yeah, that, it that, started that, out with a little scuffle, and then there was that huge power bomb early on, kind of knocked the wind out of him, kind of set that tone. Um, and Cage was dominant. Even they, they went through the break, and they came back from the break, and Brian Cage kind of kicked Hangman Page's ass in this match. Yeah, he did. Um, so I, I'm guessing there's, there's going to be a rematch down the road. Probably, um, but know. I think this is, if you were asking me why this result is the way it was, one, because I think, again, something we talk about a lot, AEW is good at these, like, surprising results just kind of sprinkled in throughout. Even if it doesn't come out too much, I do think it was an interesting result to keep things kind of moving. Uh, but I, what, I, what I think is probably happening here is Brian Cage is getting a title shot at Double or Nothing. Uh, I think this is a way to kind of put Hangman Page back a little bit, get a little uh, adversity for him to probably build up his title shot for double earn, or, or for all out rather. Right. Uh, so that seems like the direction we're going right now. But I'm, I'm, it was an interesting result, and uh, it has my attention. You know, it wasn't one of those things where like the Penta win or the Penta loss last week was like a little bit iffy and we're not, I don't know if I really see where we're going with that, but with this one, it's very clear why this result would be the way it was. And uh, yeah, I thought it was pretty good. Uh, I'm going to note too, that this was another quick match uh, to open. Usually the opener has been like, you know, hitting the 15, almost 20 minute mark. This is the second week in a row. They did a quick match to open it up. Yeah, and that was, you know, uh, landed in, in no small part to Brian Cage looking so strong throughout. Right. So, so we'll see where this goes. This does kind of, you know, it, 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 and another it, thing to watch out for. Did you notice that, you know, once Dark Order was gone, he couldn't get the win. So maybe uh, we're building the narrative that Hangman needs Dark Order. Yeah, maybe. I hope not because you know that, that maybe would, that's a good thing because then it shows that symbiosis that they have brings him closer into the fold and eventually. You know, it might be going that he has a major part in that stable at some point. Well, that's true. You know what? Now that you put it that way, that, that that is a good argument. We then cut to a promo with uh, the entire elite in a limo. A very, by the way, I don't know if it's a regular size limo with just really too large of men in it, or it was just too small of a limo. But them boys were cramped in there. Yeah, they they were kind of cramped in there. They were squished in that limo. It was all my homies. We're out in a limo. We're going to a local bar. We got a limo because. Uh, uh, one of them's having a kid or something. Something, yeah. And uh, me, me yeah. and all my bros. And so we're going, a, we're going to a sports bar in a limo. That's the vibes I got. Me and all my boys are going to Twin Peaks in a limo. Jeez, oh, I you know what that restaurant? One of those restaurants opened right near my house in Indy. Nice. And I was like, oh, Jesus! I I so I, I always wanted to go in there and like just start dropping Twin Peaks references. Yeah, it's yeah just start calling every waitress diane Di- yeah diane <laughs> walk in there and every waitress is diane you only order like various fruit pies yeah and and so you just and, want black coffee and fruit pies and, and at some point somebody has to go meanwhile and then just yeah. and just scream you know start talking backwards and shit you're right exactly do a little dance you know you know, Twin Peaks is a dumb restaurant and the food is pretty bad, but they do serve Sam Adams cherry wheat when that's in season. And that's a nice little beer. That is a good beer. Actually, I, mm-hmm. I will agree with that. Anyway, back to the promo. Uh, we get some comedy with, you know, the, you know, Michael Nakazawa actually honking the horn. And yep. we, we, we get some uh, some comedy from there. And then uh, Kenny Omega, you know, decrees that Eddie Kingston will face Michael Nakazawa tonight. Uh, okay. Which, let's do it. All right. All right. We'll see you later. All right. 
This transitions into our second match of the evening in which uh, your AEW World Tag Team Champions, Executive Vice Presidents, Matt and Nick Jackson, the Young Bucks, go up against against, uh, Matt Seidel and his creepy brother, Mike. Mike. And, uh, yeah, actually, this was pretty decent because... I mean, you can't really pick better tag team uh, uh, foes for the Young Bucks if you want, like, a classic typical young bucks match right uh, uh matt, they're very very flippy boys matt Sidal actually giving a shit again is uh is something to behold it has to when be said he's engaged, when he's engaged we talked about this before one of the best like in ring bell to bell guys and uh honestly doing really good tag work with mike and he's elevating mike mike's looked really good lately now the biggest talking point from the match was matt jackson doing the johnny cage uh nut punch Yes, yes, he did the splits and the dick punch, and you know what? Cool. And, but from what I understand, Johnny Cage is not in this new Mortal Kombat movie. Spoilers for uh, Mortal Kombat, yeah, which, um, yeah, here's what we're going to do. Spoilers for Mortal Kombat, uh, skip ahead, like, I don't know, 30 seconds to 60 seconds if you don't want spoilers for Mortal Kombat. Yeah, so Mortal Kombat was really bad, but uh, it did have some <laughs> kind of fun uh, uh, moments to it. Johnny Cage not featured in the film, however... Uh, right before the end credits rolled, it was insinuated that they're going to go look for him. So potential sequel uh, will include Johnny Cage. It didn't show anyone's face or anything, so open-ended as to who could be playing uh, that character. But we will be seeing Johnny Cage in future movies. Yeah, the Mortal Kombat movie did kind of suck. It did have a couple of fun fight scenes, but it was overall dog shit movie. And if you don't feel like watching it, you know, don't. Um, the Young Bucks get the win in the end, of course. So, you know, the the, the Side Isle brothers do not get a title shot against the young no title but, shots then, for any side. but then we get the addiction scu yeah. scu later uh, uh they all brought up their you know running uh bit here of if they lose again that they will be breaking up as a tag team they will no longer tag together uh, the next time they lose a match uh so they are coming for the title shot i assume it's going to be at double or nothing well, I think be the tag title match, maybe. Well, maybe Remember, well, we're only four weeks away at this point. So, yeah, the, the, the title match. Sure. Uh, I'm thinking there is a a a a, a, uh, a four corners match or something happening on Dynamite next week. OK, that's uh, so at blood and guts at blood and guts. So we, we need to talk. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Yeah, yeah, we'll get to that at the end of the pot, I'm sure. So, but um, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting. Then we get a very brief uh, pre-tape Jade Cargill promo where uh, she basically says that any manager is not getting her money. Yeah, more manager hype. I like this manager search for Jade. It kind of builds a little more tension for, and I'm sure they already have it all planned out as to who the manager is going to be, and I'm excited for the reveal. Maybe another thing they do at Double or Nothing or shortly after? Uh, or even shortly before. Ah, uh, could Because be. why, why not have Jade Cargill at Double or Nothing? Oh, no, I'm sure, sure she's at double or nothing, but whether or not she has a manager in tow by then will be interesting to see. Our third match of the evening, uh, Orange Cassidy versus uh, one of the top three wrestlers in the entire goddamn world, uh, Penta El Cerro Miedo, with Alex Abrahantes. It's crazy. This is like an AAW main event in LaSalle. <laughs> Like, or, or, this is or, or Logan Square, yeah. Yeah, this could be at Logan Square, or yeah, it could be in LaSalle, or like one of those deals. Like, yeah, this is like a super indie match uh, on national television in primetime. And you just love to see it. I, I I thought this match was great until we got to the finish, and I thought that the finish was just dumb. I mean, 
<sighs> I mean, it, it's not bad. I mean, it, it's not. Ba- I don't think it's bad that Orange Cassidy won per se. It's just it was a dumb finish. I thought. Okay. Okay, I see it. It was all right. Um, I thought Abrahanti's again uh, low key X factor in this match. He's been really leaning into this role and has really enhanced Pentagon, which super hard thing to do. Like a guy who's already one of the best in the world on his own to add a little extra element to that. Something that you go, okay, cool. I'm I'm glad it's there. Uh, tall order in and of itself. Yeah, and, but I mean, again, if this elevates Penta, let's do it. You know, because. Yeah. You know, again, he 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 should. In my eyes, he should be main eventing. But you know, they. Uh... But you know, again, this is a thing that we have time for. You gotta remember, like Pent is not that old. You know, he's like still like in his prime. And there's, you know, we talk about you know people in the main event scene. The main event scene can only include a couple people at a time. Uh, and we have a lot of folks that are champing at the bit to be there. This is a thing you have to think about in the terms of years, not weeks or months. Yeah, I yeah I know, and you know the. You know, maybe that's a thing with, you know, them only, well, I mean, I guess unless you include the YouTube shows, but realistically, you know, two hours of TV a week, you know. Yeah, you only have so much time. Yeah. And every I think all the people that deserve their spotlight will ultimately get it. But to be a wrestling fan of a show like this requires a lot of patience. And it's one of the big reasons WWE fell apart, you know, as far as their quality of programming is they don't have any of patience with their own stuff let alone, you know, asking their fan base to be patient. Like, they couldn't even imagine asking their fan base to be patient with them because they couldn't do it in their own writer's room. Uh, One thing about AEW and about Dynamite as a program is it is a pretty patiently booked show. Uh, Is that really the word for it? Yeah, I think so. I think they think in in terms of we understand, you know, that people have to wait their turn. And I think they even probably reluctantly at times, like, know when to kind of pull people back. Like, we've had, you know, Britt Baker's work scaled back in, you know, fits and starts. Same of Darby Allen, same of Jungle Boy, and same of all these people that, you know, are probably the future of this promotion. There was a few months where MJF wasn't really doing shit. Yes, that's true too. You know, when and, you bring and I that think up, you know so. they, they they look long term with some of these things, and I think you know we'll see that with with a lot of their talent and with a lot of the people we like. And I think we'll see that we see that with Penta. I mean, Pack obviously circumstances are are a little more related to that than anything. But as people kind of climb up, and we'll probably see the same thing with Jade Cargill. She'll get a great push. Uh, she'll get established, and we'll probably see her scale back a little bit before she has her her you know major run. Now, of course, the, during this, the, the the match went to the picture in picture. Did you see on the TNT broadcast the ad for Car Shield with Rick fucking Flair? Oh hell yeah, I did. Of course I did. I think they played that one before. Uh, good for Rick. Gets the bag, man. I that's a real easy payday right there. All he has to do is get into a fake ring, say a couple of words, and uh, probably walked away with like ten grand. Good for him. Yeah, maybe. I mean, you know, why not? I mean, he he can't do anything else at this point. So. I I respect the hell out of Rick Flair. He's lived a life that you know most of us could only dream of, like to get rich and piss it away multiple times in one lifetime, and then almost die, and then just say, you know what? No, I'm not dying. Fuck that. What a badass. Yeah. Uh, nothing but respect. <laughs> We then go to a uh, backstage promo between uh, Britt Baker and and Rebel and Tony Schiavone. Yeah. And, uh, oh, also, we should note that Ric Flair and John Cena have both been on Dynamite now. Right. <laughs> in TV commercials, but yes. I mean, hey, it's picture in picture. They're on the show. Yeah, well, okay. Fair enough. Uh, this was just, you know, a Britt Baker promo. I started, I have to stop again since we're talking about John Cena, damn it. Since today is, uh, by the way, we're recording this on May 1st, the 10 year, uh, anniversary 
of uh, catching and compromising to a permanent end, Osama bin Laden. Oh, boy. Which is also the anniversary of John Cena announcing on SmackDown that we got Osama bin Laden by saying we have caught and compromised to a permanent end. One of the greatest promos maybe in the history of pro wrestling. One of well, the now, funniest things that's ever now happened. Wait a, now, wait a minute. Okay, so... It's so funny. It's it's just it's how could incredible that, have, that it happened. How could that have if been If you on, told me fucking Tim and Eric wrote it, I would believe you. How could that have been on SmackDown when it was... I, I have a distinct memory of that being a late night on a Sunday. Oh, you know, I'm sorry. It wasn't on SmackDown. It was at Extreme Rules. Okay. No, I take that back. Yeah, That's yeah. what I was saying. You how the hell could that I, be? I, I stand corrected. I'm sorry. Yes, it was Extreme Rules 2011. Yeah, because I remember actually sitting down and 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 having to pour myself a whiskey after that because I just had, yeah, it, it was a flood of feelings basically. Because you get a flood, of, but and it's even different flood of feelings when you realize that that whole thing that we were told is probably bullshit and never actually happened. Well, I'm not gonna start talking. Oh about no, that. I'm a, I'm a full bin lot like the CIA and yeah, no, he he was delivered in the trunk of a car, man. There is no way that Zero Dark Thirty happened. Sorry, I love Catherine Bigelow. I think she's a great filmmaker, but uh, Zero Dark Thirty is absolute bullshit. None of that happened. Okay, I just remember you know just going by the news, you know the news that was going on. I just you know like I said, I had to sit down and and uh, pour myself a stiff drink after that because of you know well you know the 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 previous 10 years and you know the the cycle we're still in you know um also if you know what really happened to osama bin laden you can tweet us at bgtd podcast and let us know (laughs) (laughs) we then get the blood and guts parlay between the inner circle and the pinnacle and uh so this is interesting jeff because this was a really well received segment if you saw the buzz around it right right this was a very well-received segment. I'm about to take a big bucket of cold water and pour it all over that. I thought it um, went too long. I thought it was just okay. Yeah, I, I didn't I think it was. I thought it was just okay. I don't think it was anywhere near as good as people seem to think it was. I do think it was competent. I thought the uh, you know the emotion was good from everyone that had the mic. I thought the words were fine. Like I didn't think there was anything technically wrong with it. But yeah, too wordy. And ultimately, like... It was just guys standing in the ring talking to each other. Like, they build it up as, we're going to have this good old-fashioned parlay. Nothing. No set dressing, no design, no, like, nothing to make this more than just two guys, like, two groups of guys talking to each other. Yeah. And, I mean... I I guess I expected more, I I guess, uh, production value for it, more kind of, uh, to be a little more dramatic as far as visually. I don't know. Yeah, I will say that they did have people who don't usually get promo time get promo time on this. Yes, which, and they're all like, like, you know, and, and Cash and Dax are both really good on the mic when they get a chance. Yeah, um, I, I'm still not buying Chris Jericho babyface because we know too much about Chris Jericho. You know, that <laughs> is, you know, it is what it is. It's you know one of those deals we got to remember that you know this is a television character. You're not cheering for Chris Jericho the person. You're cheering for a TV character who's a good guy against TV characters who are bad guys. But I will contend to you that if you want to decide that the pinnacle are the good guys, fine by me. If you think the pinnacle's cool and right, that's cool. Whatever. Yeah, I mean it's it's two heel groups against each other. So kind of, you know, you know. It kind of is. It kind of is. It's kind of you know. It's one of those things where you know AEW has talked about how they want don't want to present all of their stuff as traditional heel babyface, and this very much is that we're breaking out of the traditional heel babyface narratives with stuff like this. I think even with the factory and uh, uh, 
the, the Nightmare family. I think there's even a little bit of element of that based on popular opinion on Cody Rhodes. Now, I, I will say that New Japan is doing something similar because the, the build coming up uh, to this ladder match between Taichi and Tamatonga. So hmm. we, we've had, you know, Suzuki going against the Bullet Club, and it's, it, it's basically two heel units, but they've done a... Massively good job on building this matchup. I, I will and say, it's not, and it's it's difficult to do, but it's not impossible. So I guess I mean, and I think the blood and guts match itself is going to be very good. I have no reservations that that's going to be a, a entertaining match, and I'm going to have a lot of fun watching it. I'm excited for next week. Uh, well, well, yeah, well, let, let's see how this goes. Especially because I will be watching it uh, from the French Quarter in New Orleans, uh, just eating crawfish and sipping on Sazeracs. Oh, so, you, so this is the week of your trip then? I will be leaving uh, for New Orleans, uh, yeah, on Monday. Oh, my. Well, good yes, luck. Yes, sir, taking a train like the like the good commie boy I am. <laughs> Hey, I'm taking the train places. I, I love the train. I, I usually take the train between India and Chicago. To get, I'm trying to get as many miles as Joe Biden on Amtrak. He's got 1.515 million miles on Amtrak. My God. Uh, I'm, try- I'm coming for you, Joe. <laughs> we then get, um, I wouldn't exactly call it a match, an in-ring segment between Eddie Kingston and Michael Nakazawa, which uh, devolves into... Kenny Omega, which devolves. It was very funny that Kingston immediately came out and goes, no, 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 no. I'm not doing this. No, no. You know what? No. Kenny, come here. Come out here. No, I'm not doing it. Yeah. And, <laughs> I thought uh, that was very fun. And we get John Moxley in the end as well. So it's Moxley all good. Kingston continue to be one of, if like arguably the best thing going in professional wrestling right now. Uh, you can make this for it. This will not be the last time we discuss either Eddie Kingston or John Moxley on this show. Um, this show is like 25% Kingston and Moxley. Almost every week we try to dedicate as much time, and we should, because, again, one of, if not the best thing going in professional wrestling right now, their chemistry is incredible. It's off the charts. They're genuinely just fun and entertaining. You can tell that they're having a great time with this arc, and that really shows through. And also just doing some incredible in-ring work that you care about. You like It matters what happens to these guys. Uh, we will get next week a uh, a tag team match: Kenny uh, Kenny Omega and Michael Nakazawa versus uh, John Moxley and Eddie Kingston. So, and I love this match because uh, there is going to be a lot of comedy in it, but also a lot of violence. And I think it's going to have a really nice mixture of the two, the kind that I'm really into. But again, this will not be the last time we discuss either John Moxley or Eddie Kingston on this episode. Uh then during commercial break, we get a picture-in-picture, picture and we get the first Sammy Guevara signs in several months. Yeah, it's been a while, but the signs bit has returned. Yeah. And that, I like that they're speckled with blood. Yeah, that was... Uh, I, I, I did I not see watched, that. Um, I just watched Robert Kirkman's Invincible, and uh, that's also a bit that they use in their opening title credits, and I thought that was very cool. Right. So I, I, I actually was not paying attention to this, and then I just kind of looked up. I was like, oh, shit, he's doing the signs. So I nearly missed this. Yeah, it was just like a uh, blood of guns. We're gonna beat you, kind of deal. Yep, that's pretty much it. Uh, we then get a uh, backstage promo with uh, Christian Cage and uh, and Taz, in which Christian Cage informs Taz that maybe Team Taz would be better off without Taz. <gasps> gasp! Big gasp. The Dickens, you say? <laughs> How dare you? I couldn't. Uh, what? I couldn't imagine a Team Taz. It would just be Team. Right, I mean, a team Taz without team is without Taz is I mean, just team. Uh, Hook's son, that doesn't it doesn't sound right without Hook Taz son, you know. 
Yeah, yeah. Hooks on. <laughs> Hooks. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, we'll, uh, you know, it, it is kind of odd, though, that, you know, remember Taz is, you know, w- 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 was the miserable loner in ECW, and now he's, you know, running a, a, a stable. It doesn't A stable of miserable loners. Yeah, yeah. Well, you might be right. So, yeah, that's, um, that's one of the reasons Team Taz works. And now uh, even your dog has some opinions on it. She also thinks Team Taz works. She's a big mark for Team Taz. <laughs> I mean, who wouldn't be? It's who, true. Who would not be? Uh, our fourth match of the evening, Chris Statlander uh, gets her in-ring return against Penelope Ford. Um, boy, they went to town in the very beginning of this match, didn't they? <laughs> Absolutely. And, you know, I'm glad we got to see this match, you know, not for just seeing Chris Statlander working again, but Penelope Ford, whose in-ring work has gotten so much better in the last like year and a half, two years. And it's great to see that and for that improvement to be featured on television in this spot. So great, really great to see, you know, the return to form of both these women. You know, they really could show the the UFO catcher machine uh, spot over and over again and it was yeah that's like one of the most it's it's incredibly gifable it's a great moment it's going to be sold as an nft for like 83 million dollars next year very excited about that too (laughs) great thanks if this happens now i'm blaming you you should oh good i should uh i'm gonna buy chris satlander gets the win over penelope ford this was a good match very good absolutely we 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 recommend this match Stat definitely spent her downtime staying sharp in any way she could, and it showed there's no ring rust whatsoever. Very excited to see her back. Um, very excited to get her thrust back into the spotlight in the AEW women's division, which looks like it's on the way for a major shakeup sooner than later. Um, yeah, and also they, they have now pretty much explicitly linked Chris Statlander and Orange Cassidy now. Yes, they have the same entrance music. They're, they're homies. So there, there you have it. Uh, we then get a... Uh... A tape back, a tape promo with uh, number ten, Preston Vance of the Dark Order, that had a lot of Brody Lee footage. Yes, this, it did. This was the most Brody Lee we have seen on AEW TV since his passing. Yeah, and you know that was the the narrative here is, uh, and that's the the build and the uh, the the storyline of this match is you know number ten, handpicked by Brody Lee, no, negative one's favorite wrestler and close friend. Uh, you know, one of a or one of Dark Order's golden boys, right? He's kind of one their next their next big thing. I t- I think I, I don't know if I talked about this on the podcast, but I know we talked about it off pod when John Silver got his shot against Darby. I messaged you and I said, "Yeah, John Silver's great, but the real inspired choice here is number ten. Right. Uh, hold that thought as we talk about the main event because uh, I I have a take on this. So, uh, but anyway, it, it was a good promo. I, I, it was kind of touching seeing. The Brody Lee footage on this. Yes, it absolutely was. And, uh, it, you know, uh, and again, excited for the buildup of that match to yeah. see, you know, see this come to fruition and have that chance of, you know, Pre- Preston Vance being the one to take that belt back for Dark Order. And, uh, you know, Darby Allen continuing to give shots out of respect, but, you know, bringing his A game and bringing his best uh, to the best of Dark Order. We then get into our fifth match of the evening in which... Uh... The extended nightmare family of uh, a team of uh, Dustin Rhodes, Billy Gunn, and Big Shoddy Lee Johnson uh, going up against The Factory, a uh, QT Marshall, Nick Camarado, and Aaron Solo with uh, Anthony Agogo just kind of skulking about. Yes. 
for a, for a while. Uh, you know, eventually the gut punch will uh, manifest. And 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 manifest it did. Uh, several gut punches, in fact. Folks got punched in guts. It's um, very true. Also, the the biggest note I have on on this match is that we got another different Ric Flair car shield ad during <laughs> during this. It was, he, he he chops somebody by the coffee machine. I would like to see him uh, do the tree of woe to the general. <laughs> wow. Okay. Ric Flair versus the general in one in the old blue cage. Oh my goodness. Let's fucking do it. Shaq can show up too. Shaq is the general's boy. Shaq can even come back in. That's a good way to work him back in. There we go. Except except. Uh... Wait, Ric Flair is still totally under WWE contract, though. Oh, whatever, man. As long if they're, if you're going to show him enough money, he'll figure it out. Forbidden doors, man. Forbidden doors. Yeah, yeah. It can be him and that dork from the progressive commercials. Not Flo, but like the new really nerdy guy. Oh, that guy? Oh, yeah, they'll be like geez. an unlikely pair against uh, the General and Shaq. Oh, Jesus. With special guest referee Aaron E. Surance. Oh, God, I forgot about him. <laughs> Just uh, her. It's the, it's the insurance lady. Oh, her, right. The cartoon lady. That, like, right, of, yeah, yeah. That a yeah. bunch of people uh, uh, got way out of pocket for. I know who you are. You're sick little freaks. Yeah, no, you, Turn okay. Sorry, my uh, my brain was not going the, the, the place it should have been. Neither <laughs> um, did a lot of people wear any insurance. Well, that's true. I mean, it, it, it probably won't hold up to, like, you know, you know, Blair and Sting versus, you know, Terry Funk and the Great Muda, but, you know. Well, and, and you should know as a as a published expert on the Great Muda. Uh, that's true. We'll talk about that at the end of this episode. Um, anyway, uh, the uh, Anthony Nagogo pretty much sets up the finish, and uh, QT Marshall pins Lee Johnson to, to get the win. But then it gets it breaks down to a huge kerfuffle that Cody Rhodes is even involved in. A lot going on there. The biggest thing that stands out to me is that um, Nick Camarado is going to be very fun to watch beat people up uh, throughout his AEW run. It, it will be fun. Uh, he is a very large, hairy man, and I like watching him do violence to people. And, uh, yeah, Anthony Gogo and Nick Camarado are the real stories behind the, this angle. Uh, I think the real stories behind this faction. Uh, as far as this angle goes, I still just absolutely don't give a shit. Uh, yeah, but I think at the end we're going to see a lot of good work from these people specifically, and when they break out of it, they'll matter more, and that's what matters here, I guess. Okay, the biggest thing to come from this episode got announced as they, as they went through the, the coming attractions for what's happening at next week's Dynamite. So now, let, let's sidetrack this for a second. So, there are, are at least four announced matches for Dynamite next week. My understanding is that the live crowd is only going to get the blood and guts match. That's what it appears to be. So the live crowd next week is there for blood and guts. And then what we are going to see is like uh, some tape stuff and then the blood and guts thing live. Right. So then they off. I guess they offered refunds to the people who had already bought tickets thinking that they were getting a full show. Yeah, which is fair, because, I mean, if you're buying a full if you're buying a ticket, you think you get a full show. You'd think so, but hey, going to Blood and Guts for 15 bucks sounds like a decent deal if you're vaxxed up, man. Oh, it's only 15? I think it's 15 bucks. You know what? That may be not bad. a bad deal, honestly. <laughs> yeah, honestly, man, if you're if you're safe or you're vaxxed up or you're, you know, a Floridian bog monster and you don't care, uh, yeah, spend your plus, 15 bucks. Plus, think about how, how many, you know, dark matches are going to get you taped, too. I would but, assume, yeah, but I, I don't know what, yeah, I guess they're probably going to tape some stuff, right? Right, but there's definitely going to be a full 
there's going to be a full slate for TV because they have a yes. two-hour slot to fill. Yes, they do. So this match isn't – we thought this match might be really long. Looks like it's only going to be – I would assume a 30 to 40-minute situation still. Yeah, I can't imagine it's going to be only like a 20-minute match. I mean – No, no, no. you got to get 10 people in there, you know? There's, there's a lot of shit you got to get in. Yeah, the, yeah, for sure. Uh, but the biggest news to come from this is actually going to be for the May 12th edition of AEW Dynamite in which one John Moxley – will be defending the IWGP United States Heavyweight Championship against Yuji Nagata in his first match on TNT in 23 years. I am wearing blue underwear right now. <laughs> blue fucking justice, baby. Absolutely. Just all over my situation, my twig and berries, uh, just covered. <laughs> Holy shit. Um, yeah. Yuji Nagata on on TNT, you could tell this is like a forbidden double door. Like we, it's like a forbidden French door, and we slid it all the way open. Uh, would you like to guess when his uh, his his last his last appearance on TNT was? Oh, oh, I know this. Nineteen ninety nine. Uh, no. Oh shit. It would be the... Was he on the Go Big Show with Cody and Shaq? Uh, I don't think so. Was he, like, riding a tricycle, like, over <laughs> uh, uh, a ramp that had, like, fire and sharks in it? No. Fire sharks? What about the... What if the sharks were on fire? Oh, shit! Yuji <laughs> <laughs> um, Nagata's last appearance on WC... Uh, on TNT was uh, the July 20th, 1998 edition of WCW... 98. Of WCW Monday Nitro, he beat Perry Saturn. Very nice, very nice. One thing I'm just happy about is that, um, from all indications, we're going to leave Sonny Ono at home this time. Yeah, I don't think we need Sonny Ono again. I we think, do not. I, I think, yeah, no Eugene... one tell Sonny Ono that Yuji Nagata is wrestling at AEW next week or he's going to show up and try to get 15%. Uh, Yuji Nagata, I think, has, has gotten bigger than Sonny Ono in, in so many ways. <laughs> I never underestimate Sonny Ono's ability to leech off someone. Yeah, that that much is true, but holy crap. Box versus Nagata an IWGP title match on um AEW TV. That's gonna be big in two weeks. Very excited. And, and furthermore, the the May seventh edition of NJPW Strong is going to have a prelude tag match. Uh they announced this last night. A prelude tag match for, for this one. Uh, it's going to be John Moxley and Chris Dickinson versus Yuji uh, Nagata and Ren Narita. Very cool too. Very. That, cool. That's, like that's that. going to be well worth watching. I really like that. And Moxley interacting with Ren Narita makes me think. You know, it's like one step closer to Mox and Shooter reunion. Yeah, that, that's all that's missing is Shooter from this. One day. One now, day they're going to reunite Mox and Shooter, and we're all going to lose our minds. Yes, we will. I'm telling you, I, I will fully mark out for that one. But I, I just have one thing to, 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 to offer you, which is if this is in a cycle where they're doing multiple episode tapings, what if the ultimate goal here is not necessarily John Moxley versus Yuji Nagata? What if the ultimate goal here is actually Eddie Kingston versus Yuji Nagata? Very interesting. Very interesting. I, I knowing what I know about Eddie Kingston, Yuji Nagata would be very high on a list of uh, people Eddie Kingston would want to wrestle. So that is not out of the realm of possibility. I mean, King, Kingston even does an exploder. Now, of course, that was mostly due to his fandom of you know the the four pillars plus Junakiyama. You know that yes. that era of all Japan. But you know, but you'll have that. 
We will. Anyway, so that will be on the uh, the May 12th edition of, of Dynamite. I'm actually maybe looking forward to that more than the Blood and Guts match. That's, I mean, honest. it's a huge announcement. Yeah, it's kind of like you you almost didn't want to announce it before Blood and Guts because a lot of fans are just going to start looking ahead now. <laughs> right, but still, I mean, you know. It's a hell of a match. I'm very excited. Hell of a match. All right, now the come down for this, uh, which isn't re- even really a come down because then we get a segment in which uh, Miro just kicks the absolute shit out of Kip Sabian. This was like almost too real. <laughs> <laughs> I saw I saw um, uh, Kath Barbadoro say on Twitter that it's the closest thing to partner violence that she's ever like seen in a wrestling segment, and she might be right. <laughs> Yeah, it did have like a really personal feel to it. That's, you know, owed in the part to the very good acting from Miro and Kip Sabian both here. But man, that one felt like really like it felt personal. Yeah, it got it got it did get a little uncomfortable. It got a little uncomfortable, especially like the, you know, like the coddling afterwards and the I forgive you and stuff. It was it was pretty deep shit. Oh, my. Yeah. I mean, it it was I mean, we we do want to see this Miro, but oh, man, if if this was a performance that was put on in a television show, like I'm watching the handmaid's tale right now. Um, I'm watching through that. And you know, this isn't even like, this wouldn't even register on the list of disturbing things next to like the least disturbing thing you'll see on the handmaid's tale, which is just a constant barrage of, you know, a- abuse and sexual assaults and all kinds of just horrible, horrible shit happening to people. It's, right. bleak. it's a very bleak show. Uh, you know, if this was prestige TV, everyone would be like, Oh great. Awesome. Cool. But because it's pro wrestling, it's not allowed to like be that real and personal. I don't agree with that. So, you know, good on them for really going for it. Uh, if it upset you or disturbed you a little bit, that just means it worked to me. Uh, by the way, Kath Barbadoro, uh, she, she is very funny and, very, yeah, very, and very insightful on, on the graphs. So, absolutely, a, a polarizing Twitter figure, but someone I've followed for a long time. I've met in person. I think school. Yeah, I met her too. At um, I, I met her at G One Supercard during that ladder match that I refused to watch. So I just walked laps around Madison Square Garden while that was happening. <laughs> Shout out Kath and all other cool wrestling podcasters. Uh, and with that, we get our main event of the evening, Darby Allen versus uh, number 10 Preston Vance for the TNT Championship. What did you think of this match? Oh, I thought it was great. I thought it was fantastic. I thought uh, Preston Vance really stepped up uh, to a big spot. And I think Darby Allen is like becoming AEW's Mr. Main Event like right before our very eyes. Like this is not, you know, the, they seem to be trusting him for main events in this little run here, and he does nothing but deliver. You know what? I, I'm going to say though, it, uh, Preston Vance was good. I just don't know if he's ready for this for this spot yet. No, he's not, which is why he lost. Uh, but it was a really good preview for what Preston Vance could and I think will become. He has all the physical tools. He has a lot of great resources around him to get better, and it's matches like this that get you better. Yeah, like, I will come out of this a better wrestler. I, I agree. It just yeah, he. I, I think him winning this would have. Would have been a mistake. I don't Absolutely. think he, he's re- he's not ready for the spot. He, he he's still very much in that in that project, um, you know, sort of level. Yeah, and I think that's know? what the the Dark Order Open Challenge is made to present is to show us the audience that Dark Order isn't quite ready to take it back yet. But when they are, it's going to be a big deal. Yeah. Right. And it's going to it makes us like be ready for it. Or, you know, maybe they, it's going to take Hangman Page. Maybe uh, Hangman steps away from the title scene and goes towards a TNT title picture. Eventually, there's a lot of things that can happen here. And there, like, I, I, I wouldn't be uh, opposed to a Darby Allen Hangman Page title match. 
That would be a pretty good title match. Uh, it would be a pretty good match. But uh, like this Dar- is what's really great about what Darby Allen's doing is he's elevating this TNT championship belt. So, you know, when we start thinking of these main event level talents, it's not out of the question for them to go challenge Darby Allen and for it to feel just as important. No, I mean, no, no, that, that's true. And it's good that, again, since this is the, you know, the, the network branded title, this is the TV title, basically. Yes. And they are making this the main event on Dynamite now. Yeah, I think they're they're utilizing this belt uh, properly right now, and it, you know Darby Allen's been nothing but a great champion. So uh, Darby Allen does uh, retain the belt. Respect is shown post match, which was which was good. You had a beautiful image of uh, Darby holding up uh, number ten's Brody wristband or armband, uh, and it got a great photo that I think is going to you know last in AEW canon for a very long time. Yeah, so the, the, they're still definitely. Um, you know, still showing, you know, giving tribute to uh, to Brody Lee uh, with these segments. And, uh, and you know, Darby Allen ties into that. And we, and we talked about this before Brody's passing, uh, that we weren't, that we were thought that maybe Brody dropped the belt to Cody because they didn't want to see him, Brody drop to someone Darby Allen's size yet. But I think at some point, Brody and Darby Allen were going to be on a collision course and they would have given us an absolutely incredible match. Oh, I think there's no doubt of that about that it's just of course you know the the health issues that we now know about i think we i think you know i think that was darby and brody at some point was probably in the plans for them and i you know it's one of the it's one of those great matches you think about that uh what could have been right yeah no 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 i i'm i'm fully with you there so yeah that 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 was gonna you know what really was just gonna be so much of future plans for this promotion. And, yeah, I mean, uh, could you could you imagine like his eventual showdown with Eddie Kingston? Oh, how about, <laughs> how about his eventual showdown with like I don't know Kenny Omega? Oh, you know, there's a lot. There's a lot there. Yeah, yeah, there were a lot about you know. Obviously, you know, it's the, on the lowest part of the list of tragedies of Brody Lee's passing, but something that we as fans can't help but lament. Well, I think at this point we can now safely talk about that. You know, I think enough yeah. time has gone on. We can we can talk about what could have been as far as the promotion. I think it's what we're going to talk about for generations to come as wrestling fans. I think, you know, anytime, you know, someone that talented is taken from us too early, that's something we can, uh, you know, opine over for yeah. a long time. And we will. Yep. No, no, I feel, I feel you. So, uh, and with that, we end episode 77 of AEW Dynamite. Uh what did you think of this episode? Overall? I thought it was a really good show overall. I thought it was uh, it, it went together really well. I didn't think there was anything that was an especially a down moment. Um, I, and, I, and as I was watching it, I really felt that it was a good show. I think as I got a little more distance from it, it, it was more of like a it's an episode of Dynamite, a good one, not you know a great great one. But as I was watching it, I was like, yeah, this is a really fun episode to watch live. So that you know kind of gave me good emotions there. Yeah, yeah, I, I I didn't mind watching it live. Yeah, it was. Yeah, like there was a lot of good moments from it that you know got me got me some pops. It was fun to kind of talk about and converse about. It was a good one to post about online. So you know, I like those episodes that have conversation around them. Right. Exactly. So uh, anyway, Paul, go ahead and plug yourself. You can find me uh, out on my front yard planting a peach tree and you know some some various uh, native Georgian berries and wildflowers. Uh, actually, no, you can find me on Twitter at ThickFlareTTV or on Twitch at twitch.tv slash ThickFlare, where I will eventually stream again one day. I promise you just have to follow me to find out when. And of course, following this podcast, so important. It's so important. More and more are saying it, folks. We're all following this podcast. It's BGTD Podcast on Twitter. You follow uh, it. 
You can find me at Strong Style Story without the Ian Style on Twitter or my personal Twitter at GD Wessel to S's one L. A uh, couple of things. Number one, shout out to Virtual Pros. They have uh, ended their media empire for the time being, at least. They say well, it out for Virtual Pros, but you know, uh, one uh, one door closes for pod for wrestling podcasts, another one opens. Uh, BGTD, we're here and uh, we love your listenership. But uh, anyway, no, uh, Virtual Pros, uh, very, very funny show. It's, it's, they've been part of the uh, wrestling podcasting landscape for the last five years. They were, even during lockdown, they were doing video shows, of, you know, video compilations on Twitch on Monday yeah. nights. Uh, that's now ended as well. But, so uh, yeah, I mean, we we well, you know, they're 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 definitely uh, real ones. Uh, yeah, shout they, out to some of the good ones in the business. Yeah, the, the and you know, their 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 T-shirts were magnificent. I have a, I have a couple of them. You know, so uh, yeah, they're uh, they they were magnificent. Shout out to them. But also, I want to shout out myself because uh, hell yeah, shout yourself out, dude. I am now a, an actual professional writer of professional wrestling as Woo! of this week. You go to FanFight, uh, which is uh, FanBite.com, and they go to their wrestling, uh, go to their wrestling area. I had an article that I wrote about uh, the last time Keiji Muto, the current GHC heavyweight champion, now now into his second defense of it. <laughs> um, I, as a, uh, as a special insider, was able to uh, you know read this before it was published. It's very good, and I'm not just saying that because you're my friend and co-host, but it is very good, and I think it's definitely worth a read for any wrestling fan. If you're you know a big uh, KG Muto head, this is going to be a great refresher and a great kind of way to reminisce upon you know a great career. If you're not very familiar uh, with KG Muto or you know that uh, w- that wing of the wrestling world, I think it's a really great introduction, and I think you know to kind of dip your toes into something you're not as familiar with. Uh, I, Jeff, you wrote it, you know. Uh, in a very accessible way in your voice. And I thought it was a really good read, man. Well, yeah. And thank you. And it was just great that, you know, my debut as a, you know, professional writer for, of wrestling, as opposed to just, you know, writing on my blog, which is, you know, strong style story at Um, but, you know, to, to be able to do that, talking about my favorite year of my favorite wrestler of all time was just, it was, it was massive. So, awesome. I, and so I'm, th- I'm super happy for you. Super proud of you. So, and, uh, rocks. And, and thank you to, to, to fan and, uh, and Colette Aaron for, uh, giving me the shot. And I'm hoping to, you know, do more, more such, uh, writing, let Jeff write about wrestling for you and then give him money for it. There you go. So, uh, Paul, any last words, give Jeff money. Okay. That works. We'll see you next week. <laughs>